It's time for Real Talk with Brian and Dan, the weekly talk radio show dedicated to discussing important real estate topics, plus insight into the local community. With a combined experience of over 50 years as local real estate brokers from the Eastside Real Estate Team at Keller Williams Realty Bellevue. Here's your hosts, Brian Levitt and Dan Edwards. Well, good afternoon, Brian. Look at this fantastic summer day. <laughs> yep. Oh, very high humidity. We see it falling down from the, the sky. Heck? Yeah, Eric's uh, weather report was a little dismal. I guess it's going to be raining tonight, huh? All right. Well, welcome to Real Talk with Brian and Dan on 1150 KKNW. It's Wednesday, July 17th. Thank you for joining. Thanks for listening today. Now, if you'd like to listen to any of our past episodes, you can always find them anywhere podcasts are casted. I don't know if that's the proper term, Yep. but it's going to be a doggone good show today, Brian. You know why? Tell me. Well, we have two fantastic guests, John Knuth uh, with DogSmart and Amy Jean with House and Hound. But before we get to our guests, let's start with some real talk. Okay. Last week, we talked about how having a professional on your side can make all the difference. Today, we're going to talk about why, from a financial standpoint, owning a home is always better than renting one. In a recent research paper, Homeownership and the American Dream, Laurie S. Goodman and Christopher Mayer of the Urban Land Institute explained, homeownership appears to help borrowers accumulate housing and non-housing wealth in a variety of ways, with tax advantages, greater financial flexibility due to secured borrowing, built-in default savings with mortgage amortization, and nominally fixed payments and the potential to lower home maintenance costs through sweat equity. So, Brian, we were talking before the show. As you look about the the things that were outlined there, that's pretty meaty, right? We can go one by one. But let's first off, tell me, when you finally decided to stop renting and purchasing, how many eons ago was that? (laughs) A lot. I was 22 years old, and my roommate was a young aspiring realtor, Uh and I I was a deputy sheriff. And at that point, I think he wanted to be a deputy sheriff. And I thought, hey, that realtor thing looks pretty good. Yeah. So uh, I bought a house and it was a cosmetic fixer. Just a little. Where uh, was this? It was in Stockton, California. Okay. I was a deputy sheriff with San Joaquin County Sheriff's Office and um, bought this house. A um, little sweat equity, paint carpet and a lot of a couple dumpster loads of trash. Uh-huh. But cleaned it up, painted it up. And I remember sitting on the couch the day I moved in thinking, <laughs> $174 a month. What on earth was I thinking? How am I going to survive? So times have changed a little bit. But I think the good thing for me was that was a, a foothold into wealth accumulation. I sold that a few months later, mm-hmm. made a, a tidy, pro- well, tidy is a relative term. I made about $5,000 on a $28,000 house. Back then, you could buy a loaf of bread for a quarter, right? <laughs> yeah, a gallon, <laughs> of gas, gallon of gas for a quarter, yeah. But $5,000 is a lot of money. Yeah. And I reinvested. I did it again. And that really led to the career in real estate as a started as a flipper. So that's the funny thing. As you look at the study uh, that they that, that we quoted earlier, it's borrowers accumulating, accumulating not only housing, but non-housing wealth. Right. So, right. I mean, that was the instance is, you, A, you had to live somewhere. Right. right? So you were paying rent to mm-hmm. somebody. That's, that's um, my guess. Yeah. So now you're just ending up in a situation where at the end of, you said it, you sold it in a year? Less than a year. Less than a year, yeah. and and made uh, made some made, money, and made then money. partly that into another mm-hmm. house. Yep, and did that again, and made more the next time, and mm-hmm. just used that as stepping stones. Um, you know, it's interesting. I had an interesting conversation with my oldest son, who's very analytical, uh, really smart guy, and his question was, "Am I better off putting money, you know, into a uh, uh, into a stock fund or buying a house?" And he he's doing the analytics, and I'm thinking, "Yes, you should put it in stocks if you can make the right pick." Yeah. For example, Amazon before it launched, 
yeah. you make more if you put your down payment into that into a house. But a home also becomes, in essence, a forced savings plan, right? Because you're going to pay, you know, you're going to pay rent or mortgage. So for most people, um, they're going to have more luck buying a house than with that stock pick. Yeah, according to this, a built-in default savings plan with a mortgage. Right. The funny thing is, people don't realize that paying a mortgage payment, um, especially the first couple of years, there's a lot of interest going in there, right? right. Which is a deduction, you know, in in that regards. But then you also pay a thing called principal. Right. Principal is another word for savings. It right? is because yep. you're actually paying money to yourself to sit right. in the house. Yep. So one of the things that home ownership um, allows households is the ability to amplify their appreciation in their home values by a factor of well maybe twenty percent. So how sure. this works is. Um, when you go to buy a house, you're not actually putting five hundred thousand dollars down. You're putting twenty percent of that. Right. But your appreciation is on the five hundred. It's on hundred percent of value, yeah. not on the down payment that you put in. That's one of the secrets of leveraging a yeah. home. And and I'm a guy who's, you know, I really I don't like debt. I, debt. I coach my clients on eliminating debt, mm-hmm. but home ownership, um, you're going to typically far outweigh the disadvantage of the debt by the appreciation and by the satisfaction of ownership. So, ooh, 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 ask me about my first house. Let's hear it. <laughs> okay. So, I actually had an opportunity to buy a house in downtown Seattle. Well, 85th and uh, and um, Roosevelt. So, that's in um, uh, Maple Leaf neighborhood. And yeah. I was living there in this house paying two thirty five two thirty five $235.50 a month. With with three other roommates, right? <laughs> sure, yeah, yeah. How, that, really how am I, what did I do? <laughs> yeah. yeah, and uh, so I had an opportunity to buy that house for two twenty. Mm-hmm. I did not. I passed on it. I chickened mm-hmm. out partly because um, my wife was like, "No way in heck am I going right. to live there with your three other roommates." So, <laughs> <laughs> so if I wanted to marry this woman, yeah. uh, I was going to have to buy something for real. But I did end up stretching. Right. Sure. What I did was for the first. For the six months leading up to us actually finding and buying that house, mm-hmm. I pretended like I had a mortgage already. Oh, interesting. Yeah. So instead of just you know paying that two thirty seven fifty, I was actually paying twenty five hundred dollars a month into a savings account. Smart. That way, when I finally had that down payment saved, it, I was already used to paying that monthly mortgage amount. So it made it a little. I mean, it still feels the same way. And I know there are first time home buyers out there that as they've just finished the transaction or they're considering it. They're trying to wrap their head around their new mortgage payment and what that's going to look like. And so there is an adjustment period. It takes some time. Yeah. And, you know, a lot of people, we talked about payment shock, but one of the things I explain to people is you have a significant tax advantage. So buy a home, give yourself a raise. Most people Mm -hmm. are finding that going from a a situation of not owning a home to owning a home, you can uh, decrease your withholding and thereby, thereby increase your cash flow. Brian Levitt is not a CPA. Please check with your CPA. <laughs> Please check with your tax advisor. <laughs> no. yeah. But of so. course, you know, when you look at that W-4, when you fill it out, um, one of the things on there is a deduction and a home is considered a deduction for tax purposes. Right. But anybody should always consult their tax attorney about how Absolutely. to do that. So something else people don't realize is that you're paying for housing, whether you own or rent. So either you're paying your own mortgage or somebody else's. Some people argue that renting eliminates the cost of property taxes and home repairs. Uh, no, you're paying it. Yeah. I mean, that's always going to be included in the uh, rent that you're paying. Every potential renter must realize that all the expenses landlord incurs, property taxes, repairs, insurance, etc., are baked right into the rent payment already, along with the profit margin. Yeah, so when you're coaching an investor that's going to buy an investment property, are you saying, oh, no, don't, don't worry about these repairs, don't worry about the taxes, don't worry about that? Right. No, you need profit you need on to top of that. About all so of it. Right. so they're not only are they actually paying those things, they're also paying margin. 
Right. Right. For for profit. Yeah. And you look at how rents are skyrocketing. You know, one thing about ownership is you've got uh, a lot more control over that. And that the only thing that typically increases, if you have a fixed rate mortgage, your taxes typically go up. Some insurance might, but it's so much um, less typically than you'd see in the rising rents that we're watching here in our uh, marketplace. Yeah. And there are different strategies. We're going to have a mortgage moment. So we'll talk to Michael, um, our lender, about you know, how that looks as far as from a mortgage standpoint. But I got to tell you, rates are really, really, really good great. right now. So yep. I can't, yep. I can't, I can't urge folks enough to find out, right? It, yeah. Renting may be right for them right now, uh, but right. chances are in the current environment that we're seeing, it would behoove you to find out the facts exactly. and determine it. Everybody's situation is different, but over the years, one of the things I've seen is I'll have some clients, some buyers that say, you know, we're going to hold off for now. We want to, we want to save a bigger down payment. What I've seen time and time again is people can't outpace the market by trying to save a larger down payment. With appreciation, you know, and like right now, rates are so low that a person typically trying to save that bigger down payment is going to be outpaced by appreciation and the threat of rising interest rates. Yeah, it says right here that homeowners that are that actually own have a 44 times great greater net worth right. than that of a renter. So it's estimated that a family buying an average-priced home, this is across the United States, maybe not here in the Northwest, but an average-priced home across the U.S., uh, this past January could build more than 42000 in net, wor- net wealth over the next five years. Mm-hmm. House values, rents, they're going to go up. Um, inflation will probably go up, and interest rates at some point are probably going to mm-hmm. go up. So um, when you choose to purchase a home, you're locking... Right. You're locking your purchase price in time, and you're locking your the price of money in time. So kind of wrapping this uh, this talk up, um, I've been selling real estate way too long. I'm 36 <laughs> plus years in, and I've done, I'm really blessed to have done so very well. But the majority of my wealth is in the real estate that I own, not the commissions I've made. Mm. I mean, I look at, at my net worth, and really it's the real estate that I own that's really carried, carried the ball. And, and again, I've done great in terms of the real estate sales. But that's not where the wealth was built. Yeah. So if there's listeners out there that already own a home and they're mm-hmm. looking at, at figuring out a way to kind of take that notch up a little bit more, Brian and I would be happy to talk to you about you investing. Yep. Yeah. All right. Well, that includes uh, our Real Talk segment. Like I said, after the break, we're going to have our mortgage moment. We're going to have Michael Burdick coming back with us and two fantastic guests. So come on back after this short commercial break. Not sure if now is the right time to sell? Worried you missed the market? The Eastside Real Estate Team specializes in helping homeowners maximize their equity when selling. With our proven premier listing service, our clients have sold their homes for more money in less time than the competition. We know you have many choices when working with a real estate agent, but with the Eastside Real Estate Team, you get a team of highly qualified, experienced agents. From staging to deciding if your property is market ready for top dollar. If you're considering selling, call the Eastside Real Estate Team at 425-200-4093. Or check out our website at the eastsiderealestateteam.com, a subsidiary of Keller Williams Realty in Bellevue. Are your dog's behaviors not quite what you'd like them to be? 
You're not alone. DogSmart is committed to helping families just like yours learn ways to communicate with your dog so that both ends of the leash are working as one. They've helped countless families on Seattle's east side and beyond. Don't waste another moment. Reach out today. To learn more about how DogSmart can help or to schedule a time to meet, visit their website at dogsmartseattle.com or call 1-833-DOGSMART today. Seattle, Tacoma, Antwerp? That's right. We're streamed worldwide on our app and on the web at 1150kknw.com. Welcome back to the show. You're listening to Real Talk with Brian and Dan. I'm Brian. And I'm Dan. And hey, Mom, because I know you're listening over in eastern Washington. Today, we bring you the Mortgage Moment segment, and we're bringing it back. It was gone for the last couple of weeks. You guys are all wondering what the heck is going on with rates and with the mortgage market. Well, during the segment, we like to get a quick update on the lending side of the home buying process. Today, we're talking to Michael Burdick from Loan Depot. Michael is a loan consultant with Loan Depot and has spent the last 10 years serving clients all around the east side in greater Seattle at a very, very high level. Welcome back to the show, Michael. Hi, guys. Thanks for having me again. Michael, how have you been? How's business? It's been good. You know, we have seen, just like we've talked about for the last month or so, that interest rates have been very good. So it's always a good time to reach out to your your mortgage consultant and, and just do a re- review with them. Had some lucky clients that walked a couple of weeks ago that got some rates that I haven't seen for years. They've been adjusted a little bit, but overall are still very good interest rates right now. I mean, essentially that means your dollar goes farther, right? That's that's a big part of it. And then also, you know, reviewing your current loan. Um, you know, some people have higher rates and, and maybe they have high interest credit card debt that we can just overall get their their total financial picture and a better overall payment. So that's a big part of it too. Now, we recently talked about a type of approval that you, uh, through Loan Depot, offer called Day One Certainty. What is that? Good question. So we have talked about this, and Day One Certainty is really is it's not a, a Loan Depot product. It's a Fannie Mae, Freddie Mac approved product that lenders can get approved to offer. And this is something that we were one of the early adapters uh, getting. And basically, it, when I get an application or somebody completes it online, it will verify their employment, um, verify their income, and then they can also allow us to verify their their bank account information with their their you know balances and, and things like that. So really, it helps eliminate the amount of documentation they have to provide. But something that that really makes it cool about Loan Depot is, is what we've put into our application and I, I run the day one certainty and it does a full review of, of the two investors of Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac and then shows me which results are better so I know which way to invest that loan and ultimately it can get me income verified assets verified and an appraisal waiver so it's basically a clear to close loan right there on the spot day one awesome. day one Michael uh... yeah um, why is that important? Well, it, you know, it, it helps streamline the process because, you know, when people are making an offer on a house, sometimes they want to get that approval quickly and they'll complete the application. And if you go to a, an older bank or credit union that doesn't have the technology that we have, they're going to say, okay, thanks for completing the application. Here's the list of documents I need. Some people have a lot going on because they're busy at work and, you know, they'll take weeks to get that information because, their tax returns are stored away in 
in their attic or, yeah. or you know, we hear every excuse there is. But for me to come back quickly and tell someone that we don't need anything from them, literally, then, you know, they're usually pretty happy to hear that. That's awesome. So I also heard a big change and competitive advantage for Loan Depot that you've started is called Straight to Underwriting. Um, we got about a minute. Tell us what that's about and why it will benefit the borrower. Yeah, so this is something that we started doing um, really a couple of months ago, and it, we were one of the pilot uh, branches or, or our area uh, for the country. And typically when, when a mortgage company gets an application and they get the documents and then they submit it to their underwriting department, it, it goes through a number of steps, and it goes through disclosures. It goes through a processing department that scrubs the file, yep. and then it goes to underwriting. So each one of those steps has turn times. But what we've done is we're now disclosing on our side as the originator. And then as long as we have a complete file, it's going to go straight to our underwriter. So we're eliminating the, the process in turn time. And what that does is it allows us to get, uh, you know, approvals much quicker than what our competitors are doing right now. So Michael, uh, it's this been great, awesome. yeah, great information. Hey, how do our listeners get a hold of you? I Google know. Michael Burdick Loan Depot out of Bellevue. Google. Um, Google. Best number for me. Yep, Google. 206-661-2289. Sweet. Excellent. After our break, we'll be visiting two great local businesses that uh, the dog owner listeners will enjoy. First up will be John Newth, a dog trainer and owner of Dog Smart LLC. Join us right after the break. Did you know when you pay rent, you're actually paying someone else's mortgage? Are you tired of missing out on owning your own home? Fact, homeowners on average have 40 times the financial net worth of renters. The Eastside Real Estate Team has been helping many first-time homebuyers find and buy their first home. They specialize in customer service and put you first. They listen first to what you're looking for and then they take the time to make sure their clients understand every aspect of the home buying process. If owning a home has been your dream, the Eastside Real Estate Team can help you. For a free, no-hassle consultation, call 425-200-4093 or find them online at theeastsiderealestateteam.com, a subsidiary of Keller Williams Realty in Bellevue. Are your dog's behaviors not quite what you'd like them to be? You're not alone. DogSmart is committed to helping families just like yours learn ways to communicate with your dog so that both ends of the leash are working as one. They've helped countless families on Seattle's east side and beyond. Don't waste another moment. Reach out today. To learn more about how DogSmart can help or to schedule a time to meet, visit their website at dogsmartseattle.com or call 1-833-DOGSMART today. Wondering what's on next on Alternative Talk 1150? Check out 1150kknw.com. Well, welcome back. You're listening to Real Talk with Brian and Dan on 1150kknw. I'm Brian. And I'm Dan. Lisa, I hope you have Taco and Nacho listening because we have a fantastic specialist coming up. Now, just for the listeners out there, Taco and Nacho are my two dogs. We've got a Border Collie Lab mix and a Border Collie Lab Great Dane mix. They are fantastic. So I hope they're listening because we're going to have a lot of good information for them, to, and there's going to be a test later, you two. Okay, so John is a professional dog trainer and owner at Dog Smart LLC, located right here 
on the east side in Issaquah, Washington. After a successful and rewarding career in corporate America, John decided to put all of his energy into pursuing what had become his true passion in life, helping families live a most fulfilling life as possible with their dogs. Whether it's an eight-week-old puppy or an adult rescue dog, John believes that a relationship built upon trust and two-way communication makes things possible when it comes to training our dogs. He accomplishes this by offering both puppy socialization classes and private in-home training. John, welcome to our show. Thanks for having me. Excited to talk. John, it sounds like you have a lot going on. So uh, how do you have time for hobbies and interests, and what are they? What do you do when you're not... uh Doing the dog thing. Well, first off, that's been one of the most rewarding uh, experiences about starting my own business is that it's merged my hobbies and interests mm-hmm. really into what I'm doing. So, you know, I used to talk a lot about work-life balance in my mm-hmm. former career, mm-hmm. um, and my hobbies at that time were very much dog-related. I have a nine-year-old husky. Mm-hmm. We're involved with her, do a lot of hiking, do a lot of uh, work at Seattle Humane just across the highway here. Yeah. And uh, now was able to kind of merge that into my career. But I'm not doing that. I'm into sports. Uh, I am a Yankee fan. Don't hold. hold that <laughs> okay, all right. Yeah. That's okay. It's better well, than a Mariners fan. Trust me. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Well, we like each guest uh, that comes on here because it's a show about homes. We're kind of melding the homes and community. So, tell us a little bit about the home that you grew up in and some fond memory that you have because that's what that's a strong part of our show. Sure. Thanks. Um, I'm from Congress, New York, which is actually a suburb of New York City. Uh, born and raised there. It's very much a typical small town, a commuter town. Um, my parents' generation would have all moved up there from the city and kind of started the growth up there. So it's a lot of, you know, one-family houses, small community. Everybody knows each other. Mm-hmm. Everybody's doors were open. You know, everybody, we, we, we used to dial the last four numbers of our f- phone number to call our friends. And <laughs> it really was an amazing place to grow up. And uh, my parents are still there in my, the house I grew up, uh, as are a lot of my friends, my sister mm-hmm. and her family. So it's just really like small town USA, about a half an hour north of Manhattan. Wow, that's awesome. So when did your passion for working with dogs begin? Well, my passion actually started just really with all animals, love of animals as a, as a child, as many of us started out. I had rabbits, I had ferrets, I had everything but a dog. <laughs> and uh, finally, I don't remember how it happened, but when I was about 12 years old, my, my, my parents broke down and we got our first family dog, Casey. He was a Shetland sheepdog. And that's when I really started to get into um, dogs and, and learn more about them. So how did that kind of passion turn into being a formal dog trainer? Well, it's, it's probably one of the longest transitions out there, but it took uh, many, many years later after I had um, graduated college and gotten married. My wife and I um, got a husky, Kaya, who's still with us about 10 years ago, and a combination of taking her through the various stages of training, puppy classes, and then adult classes, canine good citizenship, all along while working at or volunteering at shelters, first in New York and now here at Seattle Humane. Uh, started to kind of uh, bring the love of, of dogs with the training and the behavior side. And that's where it, it started to kind of come together for me and the light bulb started to kind of go off. Hmm. Awesome. There seems to be a lot of different methods for training a dog out there. What's your preferred approach to dog training? Well, um, ironically, or maybe not ironically, it's the same methods that I used to use in, in my former job career in corporate America where I was doing a lot of sales and customer service leadership. So Mm. it was all about positive reinforcement and coming after really building that foundation of trust and communication with the people you're working with. Once you have that and you focus on rewarding the behaviors that you like and not so much worrying about the behaviors you don't, you start to get um, people and animals that really want to perform and want to 
um, work on their behavior. So, John, were you positively reinforcing people in corporate America with treats? You doing that? <laughs> I wasn't using treats. I think it was a, it was a lot. It was a lot more kind of uh, out of boys and, and things like <laughs> that. Funny. Really getting to know them on a personal oh. level, I think, was the big thing. There you go. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, is it me? Yes, yeah, it it's, is. It's oh, me. yeah. I had a question. So, uh, so tell us more about the power of choice and what that. What does that mean? Sure. So, I mean, there's. Uh, Dog training has evolved a lot over the last 25 years and more so over the last five years. And there's a lot of talk right now in the dog training um, field about choice and consent. And really what it's about is is taking uh, dog training from what it used to be, which was about a lot of commands and barking, pun intended, commands mm-hmm. at a dog, and making it more of a two-way conversation. And what that really means is being able to read and understand your dog so that you can take information in, understand what they're trying to tell us with their body language, mm-hmm. because that's really where the, the magic happens. As, as people, our primary way of communicating out is what we're doing today, verbal. right? It's, ta- it's right. verbal. Yeah. Dogs, it's all visual. They're always looking at our body language. They're hearing us, but it's always secondary. So when Nacho, who's my puppy, is over right. on the other side of the yard, and Taco has already come because I said, Taco, Nacho, come, and he's just like, you see how I'm looking at you now? Right. Like is that those the, those is listeners that the out there. Command? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> no, the the not come is him oh, yeah. like oh what? It, it's almost like a blank look on his face mm-hmm. <laughs> and a little snot, you know. But anyways, but I can see that he's he's kind of saying, well, I'm kind of okay right here. I'm not sure that what you have over there is good. That's you you kind of hit on two things. They can't see us, but you're staring directly at me. So while you're telling him to come staring directly at a dog is actually telling him not to come. So he's uh-huh. looking at your body language facing him. And for dogs, that means let's stay where we are. Let's not approach. Hmm. And the second part, to your point where you said mm-hmm. you, there's something, you don't have something better for me, all behavior is driven by consequences. So if Nacho, was it Nacho? Or Nacho. 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 Mm-hmm. Great names, by the way. <laughs> if he's happier and he's getting more satisfaction out of sniffing the leaves where he is versus <laughs> yeah. what you have reinforced him in the past when he comes to you, that's what he's going to choose to do. Hmm. That's hey, free advice. That's well, good. There you go. It's That's good. it is really funny because I, you know I think that you you can kind of look through their eyes and you kind of like what labs are very like man they just react they're like but he's got that great Dane in him and I think he's a little more contemplative. So <laughs> I have a dog by default. Uh, my youngest son <laughs> is a wildland firefighter, and so while he's off fighting fires, we have Samba. I am amazed how smart dogs are. I mean, this dog. He's a Border Collie Lab mix, so he's super smart and super compliant. And uh, You've got a but, good mix there. Oh, yeah. my. I mean, I just can't believe how smart they are sometimes. But anyway, having said that, um, when did you first learn about giving dogs choices? That seems kind of I mean, <laughs> non-intuitive to me, but tell us about that. Yeah, it's not maybe as, um, as literal as it may sound. It's really just about the communication piece and just understanding that if we're asking a dog to do something and they're, they're not doing it, they may have given us some signals prior to, to why they're not. There might be something mm. in the environment. It might be that we're being confusing to them. We might be talking to them and showing them something else with our, our body. So it's really just started to, to learn from a lot of the leaders in the industry. We've got some of the, the best ones in the country right here in our backyard. Karen mm. Ramirez down in Graham, Washington, runs the Karen Pryor Academy National Training Center mm-hmm. um, and some others. So started to learn from some of the best in the world that happen to be located right here in the Seattle area. So seminars, in-person uh, trainings and, and things like that. Yeah, as an adult, when I first decided to get my first dog, um, uh, I went up to a place in Woodenville, Gentle Touch, I think it was called. So it was like, I, I, I kind of already knew I didn't want to do the kind where it's like, here, do this, do that. It was a little bit more 
like what your what your philosophy right. is. Uh, what's the most important component for training a well mannered dog? Well, it's really it's really two things. So it's consistency, but before consistency, it's really being a great observer, which I've touched on a couple times. So if you can learn to read body language, and you don't have to be an expert at this, it's a, there's signs that dogs are giving out to us all the time that are contradicting what we think is going on in their head. So it's understanding a little bit about the body language, being able to read them, and then it's all about consistency. So mm. if you're, especially if you're in a in a house with a full family, and if one person is you know, asking the dog to, you know, jump up on the chair and the other person isn't, you know, is telling the dog to keep off the chair. What's the dog to think? Well, mm. sometimes I can, sometimes I can't. So maybe I'll give it a whirl. Mm. It's, they, they thrive in consistency. Mm. What are the right. most common reasons uh, clients reach out to you for help? Well, I'm happy to say now, um, different than when I had gotten that first dog, Casey, when I was about 13, is uh, puppy classes, really. People mm. really understand that, especially in the Pacific Northwest. Oh. Um, the importance of really, we, we say that it's like vaccinating your dog against uh, future behavior down the road, just mm. like they go to the vet to get their shots. Mm-hmm. What they learn in that first, say, up to 12 to 14 weeks, there's some ambiguity there, but that's when they're imprinted with, um, you know, how their behavior is going to um, develop from there, good or bad. Who gets more training, the people or the dog? Yeah, that's a good question. It's really people, <laughs> it's people, you, you, I don't know if you've read anything on my website, but no, it is, it's yet. people training for dogs. Well, it really great. is. It's got to It's got to be a, a partnership. It really does. And I like what you have to say about the household there. It's It's got to be a consistent command and it's consistent reading from all family members. So, yeah. Sure. So how do you stop a dog from doing something that you don't want it to do? Well, you teach the dog to do something else you'd prefer, right? So any time a dog is choices. It's yeah. it's saying we call it unwanted behaviors versus bad behaviors because for the dog it's working, right? They're, <laughs> they're jumping up on somebody, they're getting attention. So yeah. it's about understanding their motivation behind it and it's showing them something else. So instead of yeah. jumping up on a person who comes into the house, maybe we'll show them how to go lay on their bed and grab their toy so that the person can approach them. What would you recommend that a family focus on when adding a puppy to the home? Well, the number one thing, as I touched on a little bit earlier, is really just that first 12 to 14 weeks, it's critical, is to get the the puppy exposed to a lot of different experiences. Mm -hmm. So it's different types of people, different types of clothing, different environments, surfaces. It's really focusing on uh, future-proofing the puppy's behavior. You can Mm -hmm. teach a dog, you can teach an old dog new tricks. So a dog at any age Mm -hmm. can learn Mm -hmm. how to do something but it's critical when they're young to really get positive associations with everything they're going to run into down the road. Yeah. Um, so let's talk about Floyd. I mean, how bad of a client is Floyd, really? <laughs> Are you putting me on the spot here right <laughs> no, now? Right. Floyd. Floyd. <laughs> Floyd is Gabby's dog. <laughs> oh. Gabby is a, is a peer, uh, works with, at Keller Williams. Right. Yep. Floyd is an amazing dog, and he came from Seattle Humane across the street here. So he's very lucky to be with Gabby and they're very lucky to have him. That's yeah, great. yeah. She she just absolutely raves about, you know, oh, he did this today mm. and he did that. Nice. I guess so. Super dog. Yeah, that's awesome. So how can somebody get in contact with you, John? Well, the easiest way is to visit the website, which uh, is www.dogsmartseattle, all one word, dot com, where you can find me on Facebook or Instagram, also Dog Smart Seattle. Okay, awesome. John, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you. It's been a lot. It's been a blast. After the break, we have in studio the founder of House and Hound, Inc., Amy Jean. We will be learning about her best of 425 Magazine dog sitting and house cleaning business. Please come back after the break. We'll be right back.
Not sure if now is the right time to sell? Worried you missed the market? The Eastside Real Estate Team specializes in helping homeowners maximize their equity when selling. With our proven premier listing service, our clients have sold their homes for more money in less time than the competition. We know you have many choices when working with a real estate agent, but with the Eastside Real Estate Team, you get a team of highly qualified, experienced agents. From staging to deciding if your property is market ready for top dollar. If you're considering selling, call the Eastside Real Estate Team at 425-200-4093 or check out our website at theeastsiderealestateteam.com, a subsidiary of Keller Williams Realty in Bellevue. Are your dog's behaviors not quite what you'd like them to be? You're not alone. DogSmart is committed to helping families just like yours learn ways to communicate with your dog so that both ends of the leash are working as one. They've helped countless families on Seattle's east side and beyond. Don't waste another moment. Reach out today. To learn more about how DogSmart can help or to schedule a time to meet, visit their website at dogsmartseattle.com or call 1-833-DOGSMART today. Make us part of your daily routine. Alternative Talk 1150. Welcome back to Real Talk with Brian and Dan on 1150 AM KKNW. I'm Brian. And I'm Dan. Our next guest is Amy Gilchrist of House and Hound, Inc., recently featured on the Best of 425 magazine. A frenzy of house cleaning and pet care services is already in existence, but Amy Gilchrist of House and Hound in Woodenville decided to combine the two so busy pet owners could come home to a clean house and a happy pup. Jean, whose family bred Basenjis, why well, that's... I'm not familiar with that one, Basenjis, um, um, whose family bred Basenjis and who spent her youth showing dogs in the American Kennel Club circuit, decided to, ha- to leave her career as a criminal lawyer and return to her roots working with dogs. Jean noticed a need in the market and decided to fill it with House and Hound, which currently serves the east side and greater Seattle area with a five-member team. Welcome to the show, Jean. Thanks for coming in. Thank you. And uh, just wanted to clarify, I do use last, my last name is Gilchrist, so my name is Amy Jean Gilchrist. Yeah, we, it's it. funny because we'll I copied this from the website, <laughs> no so I'm looking at this, I'm like, yeah, oh what? no. So it's Amy Gilchrist. Yes. Amy my, Gilchrist. And my, my name, Jean, is my middle name, and after my, my father and my aunt and everyone else in my family. But I tend So it's like when you're in trouble, like Amy Jean? Exactly. Yes. Exactly. So. And I put it on my cards as well because Gilchrist is just too long of a name and all that good stuff. So anyway, I know it can be confusing, <laughs> but Amy Gilchrist, Amy Jean Gilchrist. And All right. Yes. Well, there you so go. So thank you for having me, you guys. I appreciate it. We're, we're happy to have it's you. Loads of fun. So when you're not cleaning or playing with dogs, what do you do with your uh, free time? <laughs> free time. Woo. I enjoy it. <laughs> oh, there you go. <laughs> well, most of the time I am actually with dogs uh, because I do enjoy them around me all the time. It really is truly a passion that I have. Uh, and... Uh, I, um, but when I'm completely not with dogs, because of course, unfortunately, we can't take them everywhere with us, which I wish we could. <laughs> I Maybe saw your in the text. Future, I saw to... your text before here. I was like, oh, whoops. <laughs> oh, I know. Yeah. I, I do have a dog in the car right now. <laughs> oh. <laughs> little, little Riley. He's having fun. But um, I, you know, I really enjoy just being able to uh, disconnect and take care of myself. Mm-hmm. Because if you if you don't take care of yourself first, you can't take care of other people, and you can't take care of your clients. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So True. I love. Hiking in the Quinault Rainforest, for example, there's okay. beautiful trees out there. Yeah, they're yeah. huge, beautiful, and then I, I will. Lake Ozette, right? Lake Quinault. Quinault. Yeah, Ozette but it's hard not to take a dog with you. 
Yeah. <laughs> oh, you're not allowed to. You are. Oh. Throughout those woods, you can. You can. Absolutely. Oh, of course. Then. And it's beautiful. Actually, but, I think I took my, my first dog on a hike on the Pacific Cre- uh, Coast yeah. Trail. So it starts there and goes all the way down. So it was like a 30-miler. Oh, it's beautiful. She then. had a blast. Oh, it's great. It's wonderful. And and so I love to do that. But I love hot yoga, and we can't have dogs in there. But <laughs> I tend to do that a lot um, just throughout the week uh, just to kind of That's uh, about taking get... care of yourself, right? Absolutely. Right. Yeah, that's Absolutely. Awesome. And diving and, and skiing is one of my passions as well. Scuba diving? Scuba diving. Nice. No dogs down there, that's for sure. <laughs> maybe, maybe some dogfish. But... Oh, golly. <laughs> So this is a show about homes, yes. and we like to ask our guests to tell us about fond memory growing up. Where'd you grow up, and tell us about the house you grew up in. Well, I actually am a Seattle native, so cool. uh, I have a, well, I'm going to say a couple houses because my grandfather uh, lived in a house here, and he had everything from ferrets to parrots. Wow. And he wow. brought in every stray cat and every stray dog from the neighborhood <laughs> that you could find. We even had two lab rats, Slim oh. and Mo were their Slim names. I'll never forget them. <laughs> so I've always been around animals. And uh, so some of my fond memories are just being down in his basement with a huge pool table that he had. Back then they had the really cool ones and mm-hmm. with a bunch of animals around and then just always being able to be around. The, um, you know, even my neighbor had 14 cats. Um, her wow. name was Betty. <laughs> Every day she'd say, okay, what are the cats' names? Oh, Betty, I, I don't know. I'm four years old. <laughs> so just those memories with a lot of animals. And, and also um, in my own family home we had a pool. So I loved swimming and um, just having my family around uh, there. Well, I think the that one advantage, right, to homeownership is to have animals. Right. Correct. If you're renting, that's a, that's a that's tough, tough thing one. to do. Yeah. You yep. definitely can't have ferrets. No. <laughs> it, <laughs> Unless I you're think one it's of those people. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I was just thinking about a ferret story from a house I listed uh-huh. that uh, we were talking about. Dan and I were talking about home prep today. <laughs> oh yeah, about $5,000 of repairs from oh my gosh. Uh, oh boy. ferrets in the walls. That was in fun. the walls? Oh, oh yeah. gosh. Yeah. So tell us, what does House and Hound do? Well, we make sure your home and your dogs, your fur babies, are taken care of. Um, <laughs> primarily when you go on vacation. So when you're going to go off on, hmm. on, like, say, a week break, I like to come in. And take care of your dog. Make sure that they're fed, played with, cuddle time, um, and they're never by themselves, um, except for when I'm on radio shows. And then, <laughs> <laughs> and then also just having a nice, clean home when you come home. Um, a lot of people are just ecstatic when they come home to a happy pup and a clean home. Mm, yeah. Uh, now, of course, I still do boarding as well, mm-hmm. um, uh, away from their home if that's what they want as well. So I'm, I'm very versatile. Mm-hmm. Um, but you get the one-on-one care for your dog um, mm-hmm. instead of putting them in kind of a doggy daycare boarding facility for a week, which is really difficult for dogs. Yeah. So Well, they're in there. And, and as John mentioned, you know, they like normalcy, right? They like to, you know, my dogs get up at a certain time, dinner's at a certain time. They like to have that routine. So coming into to, uh, the, the, the uh, pet owner's home helps keep that routine, keeps it like that. Mm-hmm. So what inspired you to get into this kind of a business? So I was miserable practicing law. Surprise, surprise. <laughs> How many lawyers are out there that are miserable? Um, but I, uh, it was just, <laughs> yeah, I can, mm-hmm. can feel ears burning around the, the globe. But yeah. I was just, I hated it. Um, my mom got sick with ovarian cancer, mm. and it didn't take long to take her, uh, mm. about a oh. year and a half. And I, she, w- we were always in the dog um community, um, American Kennel Club, um, the Evergreen Basinji Club. Uh, we had raised Basinjis, and we had just a very tight-knit group full of, like, a, the breeding uh, um, community around us, and, and I showed dogs. I know a lot about um, the different dog breeds and 
how they are. And, and, and I just said to my mom, I will continue to be around dogs and, and that's the way I'm going to remember you. Wow. And, um, our dog was, um, on the bed with her when she died. Oh. And, um, so, and she knew it, the dog knew like, what was going on. It wouldn't even leave her side. And so they are really mm. part of our family. It's kind of your le- your mom's legacy. My mom's legacy, That's and awesome. she would be so proud of me right now because I've done awesome. so much with this, and I'm actually happy. Yeah, oh, that's great. And that's what we need in life is to be happy. That we're here to, to create joy. We're here to create happiness in our lives. That's what we're here to create in this lifetime. We're not here to mm-hmm. do something that makes us unhappy. Definitely. You know, I was just thinking about my comment earlier about how smart they are, and your comment about the dog and your mom. I read a story recently a veterinarian wrote about, you know, when it's time to have a dog put down and that her, what she wrote was how their humans should stay with them, that they always look around the room for their humans. And it's, it's a, they know what's going on. And she was just like, you know, just um, encouraging people stay, even though it's hard, stay with them. And, you know, I can see that in that, you know, how very smart, how very connected they are. So anyway, it just made me think of that when you, mentioned the other side of that equation. Yeah, it's, you know? it's an awesome, so, uh, I think it's a great opportunity, right, to have them in our lives, to bring balance to, you know, after a long, busy day, you know, somebody popping up in your lap or, you mm-hmm. know, coming alongside you that, that just basically has nothing except yeah. for food. I mean, that's really the only <laughs> well, thing that really... Yeah, I like getting home and having this <laughs> dog, seven-year-old dog just bouncing in the driveway. Yeah. Just, he sees me and just lights up. It's just, it's just amazing. Well, there are more dogs than kids in Seattle. Really? Is that right? Yes. Interesting. Whoa. And so they really are a huge part of the family. Definitely. And so you want to come home to a happy, healthy dog after a vacation, Right, for definitely. definitely. So how do your services work? So we also do a subscription service um, for um, housekeeping, uh, like mm-hmm. a monthly subscription service that also includes um, us dropping in and playing with your dog as well. So if you're you know, a career person and you're going to be mm-hmm. gone for a while, a lot of people are gone for eight to 10 hours a day. Mm-hmm. They like someone to come in and drop in and say, hey, you know, what's up for an hour and a half? Take them on a walk, um, give them playtime cuddle, maybe do a feeding. Um, and also we offer um, dog walking subscription service. Uh, hmm. In that, within that subscription, and also um, the dog boarding and the do- and the house sitting. So the dog boarding and the house sitting are kind of two different things mm-hmm. because I offer boarding at my place, and then I can go to your house and sit, or um, and then also the subscription for the housekeeping. Yeah, yeah. So why is it that you found that pet owners have valued the services that you've offered? Well, it again, it creates just that nice home feel for the dog. It's not the, the dog's not stressed out. Um, wondering what's going on, you know, with 50 other dogs that all of a sudden they're playing mm. with for a week when their, um, you know, par- for baby fur parents are on vacation. And then their dog just kind of goes home and they're shaking and they're nervous and mm. they don't understand what's going on. I've seen that a lot. Huh. Um, so we like to minimize that. And, and like, uh, you know, our dog trainers say, they like to have, um, you know, just things that are more, um, you know, Consistent. Consistent. Yeah. Yeah. Consistent. I like consistency, especially puppies. Yeah. Uh, You don't want a puppy um, in a doggy daycare for a month or two weeks or something like that. Right. What's the biggest challenge you've faced in your business? (gasps) What kind of breed do I like the best? Oh, (laughs) that's your biggest challenge. And second (laughs) challenge is giving the dog back when they get home. Yeah, for sure. (laughs) Oh, funny. Because they're so. I had a. Oh, my goodness. I sat a. a golden retriever puppy for two months. Oh. Yeah. 
their owners mm, went to New York adorable. for work. And it's your dog. It kept on. They kept on extending because they couldn't come back. And I swear that dog. Oh my gosh, it was so hard. Yeah, I <laughs> can bad. only imagine. You guys have like formed a relationship in we two did. two months. Oh my god! So uh, talk about breeds. I mean, you you accept any and all breeds. Yes. You're welcome to do that. Of course. Uh, but you do have some favorites. We gotta ask favorite well, breed. <laughs> you know, I love Great Danes. Hmm. Oh, cutest puppies you've ever seen. And I actually had someone abandon their four week old puppy with me, and oh. they and I had to rehome her. And I got I didn't really know much about you know, that particular breed when I got her, and I just love them. They are just the greatest dogs. So let me tell you the story about how Nacho came to our house. So we we were looking for another Border Collie lab mix, and so we went out there and looked in all the usual places, and we had had bought one from a breeder over on the eastern side of the, the state, um, they didn't have any. So we, we found another private party that just happened to have a litter, right? So it was like, awesome, cool. And we were looking for a daughter because we would then have Taco and then Bell, right? So it would be Taco and Bell. But we couldn't find – it was just boys left. So we ended up taking the last boy and, and brought him home. And I was asking the, the owner, and I said, um, what are the mixes, right? Well, tell me about the mixes. She didn't answer. She didn't answer. I'm like in transit. I'm like, I already, I already take the last one. I'm going to. And then she said, well, the, the mom is golden retriever and lab mix, and, and the dad may have some Great Dane in him. Oh, Lord, <laughs> oh. 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 So Nacho is not a, is not a chihuahua? <laughs> no, he's not. And Taco and Nacho are not oh, no. chihuahuas. They are, they are lab. It's really, really? it's pretty awesome. And, oh. and he's got those big floppy ears oh. and the jowls, and, um, and, and his eyes are amazing, like light brown, mm-hmm. and then all black. Oh well, no, he's got some white patches here and there, so Beautiful. he's he's adorable. Well, yeah. they're the sweetest, sweetest dogs on they, the planet. They really, they really are. are. They think sweet. they're lap dogs. They think they they're do. tiny little lap dogs. They want to be right up in your face. <laughs> it's pretty funny. I love them. So I'm glad we share that passion yes. for yeah. for Danes. I don't know if I would want a full on Great Dane because they're big. They're big. They're big. Yeah. <laughs> and I live in a townhome, and this is and I was contemplating keeping her. Apparently, they're really good apartment dogs. Really? Because yeah. they like to lay around, and you're supposed oh. to not let them, you know, run a whole yeah. lot. Yeah. But I was very inclined to keep her, but mm. oh, I just couldn't because I was leaving for Christmas for two weeks. <laughs> I had to get her. What's uh, your coverage area? Uh, so the greater Seattle area and the east side. Okay. Um, I do have a couple of clients in Tacoma, mm-hmm. believe it or not. Oh, wow. And I do have a couple of clients in Gold Bar. <laughs> Don't ask. <laughs> <laughs> Well, and I mean, I guess since you're doing the house sitting and it's vacation time, it's not all at the same time. But I guess yeah. if you were going to have to walk the dog in Tacoma and the one in Gold Bar, that might in one day. That yeah, might, that be, might be. It's yeah. actually happened before. Yeah. So. Well, and, that's, <laughs> and you made it work. Happen. I, I absolutely that's did. That's awesome. I, yes. So how can people find you? So uh, com. Also at House and Hound Inc. on Facebook and mm. my uh Phone number, of course, is 206-930-3874. You can always contact me that way. Say and that again. 206-930-3874. And also, you can uh, contact me uh, online or any way that you wish mm. to. Amy at houseandhoundinc.com. That's my email, amy at houseandhoundinc.com. Um, and that would go right to me. And then, of course, I do have, a, you know, people helping me and a team of people as well. Perfect. Well, Amy, great job. I called Amy on Monday, and so she had a real short (laughs) runway. And I just thank you so much for uh, at last minute coming in and sharing your passion. Uh, John, thank you as well.
Um, you're listening to Real Talk with Brian and Dan at 1150 KKNW. And after the break, we'll have some more Real Talk. And of course, Brian will have some great final thoughts. Did you know when you pay rent, you're actually paying someone else's mortgage? Are you tired of missing out on owning your own home? Fact, homeowners on average have 40 times the financial net worth of renters. The Eastside Real Estate Team has been helping many first-time home buyers find and buy their first home. They specialize in customer service and put you first. They listen first to what you're looking for and then they take the time to make sure their clients understand every aspect of the home buying process. If owning a home has been your dream, the Eastside Real Estate Team can help you. For a free, no-hassle consultation, call 425-200-4093 or find them online at the Eastside Real Estate Team.com, a subsidiary of Keller Williams Realty in Bellevue. Wherever you go, Alternative Talk 1150 is here for you. All right. Welcome back to Real Talk with Brian and Dan. I am Dan. And I'm Brian. Well, that was fun. And uh, during the break, I showed, you know, pictures of Nacho. And if you want to, we'll go ahead and post them to our Instagram. Oh, by the way, um, do you guys have Instagram accounts? Okay, why don't you tell the listeners what they are real quick? So, John, go ahead. It's uh, at DogSmart Seattle. At DogSmart Seattle. Yep. Okay. Amy Jean. And <laughs> <laughs> You're funny. <laughs> it's at House and Hound. Um, let's see. You know, this is the funny part is I am a terrible Instagrammer. At House and Hound. Um, let's see. At how? Ha- oh, no. At. You put me on the spot this time. I know. Sorry about house that. House and Hound. No, House House and Hound, Inc. House and Hound. So it's H- at House and Hound, I-N-C. Yeah. H-O-U-S-E-A-N-D-H-O-U-N-D-I-N-C. Awesome. So you guys can go. All listeners can t- check out the fun pictures. I'll uh, send and tag a picture of Nacho and Taco in there so everybody can see the there you go. fantastic dogs. So final thoughts, Brian. So, Amy, did you hear about the lawyer that got their real estate license? <laughs> I smell a joke. <laughs> yes, you do. <clears throat> it's so they could kill their own deals. Oh. Uh, no, we have terrific lawyers we work with, but uh, I feel sorry you know, there's for them. There's always, no. uh, you know, uh, stress on the realtor side sometimes when uh, they jump in the middle, which oh, is fine. No one likes Brian that. should always consult a lawyer when they when they feel they should. So, Brian, I heard on the uh, on the radio this morning. I think it was they talked. Uh, you know, there are always news organizations that will produce housing reports. And I think it's important right. to discuss them because of what they mean. But uh, they were talking about new construction starts and permits. Right. Okay. And what they said is new housing starts were down. Interesting. But permits were up. Well, that means there'll be more new housing starts. Right, right. Because permits aren't free. They're buying those. And new housing starts down. It kind of makes sense, right? Because if you think about the timing of the market, mm. maybe they're they're deciding not to do a bunch of building in the wintertime. Probably, yeah. I mean, in certain yeah. areas, because these right. are national numbers. Yeah. Uh, the other one, I think you sent me an article about Fannie Mae's projections. Okay. Did you read it? Probably. <laughs> <laughs> I don't recall which article you're talking about. I read Yesterday. A lot. Okay. It was uh, it was talking about the, what's coming up with rates and the pace. Right. Right. Yeah. I, yeah. I didn't read it. Pretty either. stable. <laughs> I just read the headline. No, they're talking about uh, you know I mean nobody's got a crystal ball, but rates being fairly stable, so it is a good time. To get out there and find that dream home. It's predicting a pretty busy season. Right. Yeah. So yeah. Um, so after, uh, you know, 
after kind of looking over some of the numbers and talking about, you know, renting versus owning, I think it's important to kind of just say at the end of the day, it's about community, right? Right. So you're picking out a home. Is it a good investment? Are you picking out a place to live? Yes, you are. But what you are picking is the community and getting Mm -hmm. out and and visiting the community, trying out, uh, find out what the local schools are like, find Mm -hmm. out what the local, you know, arterial get arounds are. How do you get from one place to another? I've got some clients that, um, that we've gone and looked at houses together. You know, that's what we do. Uh, but also they've done a whole ton of driving and they were like, hey, drive we just want to really drive around. We want to yep. get a feel for Fall City or North Bend or Snoqualmie and all these areas. You just really have to get comfortable with it. What are some of your best tricks for people to get comfortable with a neighborhood? Well, I always tell people drive before you buy. Drive it at the time you think would be your commute time. But also we have tools. I can tell you um, what the drive times are from any point, anywhere, anytime using some of the online tools that we have through Northwest Multiple Listing Service. I don't know if you've used the uh, NRICS feature, Dan. Yeah, I have. Yeah, pretty cool. But I have clients, I mentioned this in a previous show, looking for homes differently than they used to. It used to be people would pick an air, a neighborhood. And now I have, this especially with my millennials, saying, hey, I want to be within 40 minutes of Amazon. Mm-hmm. And so it, uh, uh, I can map that and show you what neighborhoods. Yeah, it's that not would as circu- circuitous as you might think. It's no, more no. Um, polygon. It's right. kind of going all over the place. It, it yep. may take you longer to get to a backside, but also yep. finding parks. Finding parks. Right? Yeah. Where are you going to walk your dog? I have. A, uh, I've had clients that have mapped every Starbucks. Really? To, to know how far. <laughs> oh, and Trader Joe's. You know, I'm not oh. buying that neighborhood. It's too far to Trader Joe's. <laughs> too like, far okay, to Trader Joe's. No. You buy what gives you joy. That's right. That's right. Well, let's see. So coming up, uh, we have this next week in Alki. So Alki is West Seattle. Yeah, right? Right. Uh, So Alki has an arts fair going from July 27th to 28th. You don't want to miss out on this. It's an arts fair music festival. Uh, Colorful views while strolling the promenade as you eat and shop. Oops, I missed my my page. Oh, well. Oh, uh, eat and shop amongst the expansive lineup of artists, makers, and performers celebrate vibrancy and diversity of West Seattle local arts and culture. There's going to be over 100 artists and makers, live music, street food, interactive, kid zone. Uh, and, you know, if you ever want to have fun, it's, it's a good place to kayak. Oh, nice. Yeah, right yeah. off the and beach. Beachcomb, hit the beach. Mm-hmm. And watch so, your dogs. Watch, watch for dogs. dogs. Scuba dive. You can scuba yeah. dive there off Alki. Yeah. So I ran across an interesting home this week. Um, it's in Bothell. It's a mid-century modern on a a lot, about three times bigger than anything else in the area. Mm-hmm. And uh, so if anybody looking for something, I mean, there's a real, uh, it's interesting to me, a following for, uh, I mean, I just some people modern. step in and remodel. A lot of people don't. They love that. Uh, um, they love that. It's like So one. what defines a mid-century modern? Um, it's not updated. <laughs> 1950s <laughs> home that's not updated. <laughs> but it looks like, I mean, it's like, it's like a gem. It looks like. You know, uh, you could film a Brady Bunch there or something uh-huh. like that. Because they have, like, those pea green colors and yeah. the chocolate yeah. brown and the orange, oh, gosh. like the burnt yeah. orange and stuff. Yeah, Aren't those coming back into pink, style? <laughs> pink. Uh, um, I think they are. Yeah, bathtub and the whole nine yards. So I've got to do a quick shout-out. i got the grandkids in town this week. So Quinn and Jonah, if you're listening, love you guys. Yeah, right on. I miss that. Yeah, uh, I got to see them this weekend uh, and when yeah, we they're were celebrating Brian's out. birthday. Yep. That yeah. was fun. Happy birthday, Brian. 29 Thanks. again? Yeah, 29, 29 again. Yeah. yeah, we had a pig roast and all our friends over. It was uh, yeah. it was fun. It was a good was time. Fun. Well, that concludes our show. I just, again, want to thank both John and Amy Jean. 
Sorry. <laughs> Amy Jane Gilchrist. Thanks, Mom. Gilchrist, yeah. <laughs> You're not in trouble it. this time. Thanks for coming in. We appreciate your input. We appreciate bringing you to the community, and we want to thank all everybody out there listening to Real Talk with Brian and Dan. We'll, we'll, hear, we'll talk to you next week. Next week.